Good morning. Here we are. How's everybody? Isn't it amazing that the, the abundance of nature, that we can have snow and rain and slush? I didn't know whether to shovel this morning or not. But I got the garden hose out and I washed it all down. But isn't, isn't the universe abundant? I get all that in one day. And sunshine. There's sunshine too up there above the clouds. And clouds. It's a beautiful thing. And, and you know this sound bath with Dennis Goodwill uh, this evening. I have, I'm now down to taking one shower a month because the sound bath has taken care of me. <laughs> awesome. Love that. Yeah. It's awesome. It's just saying. Save some water. Anyway. All right. Let's get serious here now. Circulate some joy. I'm going to invite you to um, join me in 30 seconds of silence. And then um, I've asked Joseph Gabrielson, who's a ministerial student, one of our practitioners, who's over here in his, um, his transportation device. So Joseph goes a long way to, to join us each Sunday that he can be here. And uh, so we're always grateful when he can make it. And I've asked him to do our opening affirmative prayer today as well. So let's just drop into our silence. And then when 30 seconds is done, I will sing. If you know the soundtrack, uh, please join me. If not, just let it be um, some music in your life in this moment. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. Know with me, there is one power one presence all throughout the universe. It is creative intelligence. It is behind every manifest thing. It is abundance. It is joy. It is all that is. And I know that as we investigate the warrior spirit today, that new possibilities will open up for each of us, that we will find the courage to be here and be who we have come here to be. I know that each and every person is right resourced to this unfoldment. All that you have to do is say yes. I release these words knowing that it is already done in the mind of the one and together we say and so, so it, it is. is. Thank you, Joseph. Beautiful. All right. So today we're continuing our discussion of spiral dynamics. And um, so 
I'll do a shorter preamble because I did about a 15-minute preamble explaining this at the first service. But, you know, I, I've been um, in, in a position of um, being a minister in a science of mind, religious science, religious science community for... I just started my 17th year here and I've been a minister for about 22, 23 years. And I love the tradition. I love Dr. Ernest Holmes. I love the Science of Mind textbook. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful, brilliant, timely um, explanation. And, and, and so it's not that, that when, when, when I'm, I'm teaching what we're, I'm sharing with you, I've noticed in my time that to instruct people into, and to learn affirmative prayer, which Joseph just beautifully uh, gifted us with, it's one of our practices. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful way of, of uh, stepping through in that, that threshold into a, a, an awareness of oneness. One life, that life is mine, that life is God. And it's just simply our practice. And it's, not a, un, it's, not a, it's a unique practice uh, for our tradition and, and for our brothers and sisters and some of the other uh, parallel traditions, but it's just one practice. And it's not just one thing. And so the reason that I'm diving uh, into this material is because I've looked at the things that, for me, I, I've been frustrated. I can't figure out why they don't work, what, what, what has happened to have an insight and an awareness and a wisdom. I want to live, live in freedom. I want to live in a, a clarity and in an in, in, in integrity to know what's mine to do, what isn't mine to pick up. I don't want to enable. I don't want to be enmeshed with someone else's emotions. I don't want to feel responsible for someone else that is suffering. Uh, and we can all do that. But I, when I have, so this information is not deviating from what we stand upon. It's, a, it's, a, it's information that provides healthy-mindedness. And I think it's so important because if, you, if you're a Facebook friend of mine, I posted on my Facebook a nine-and-a-half-minute interview between Russell Brand, who's an who's a idiot savant. He's brilliant. He's a genius. And um, Gabor Maté. And Gabor is an amazing uh, therapist who has written about addiction. And so their discussion is about the political climate on the planet right now. And it just struck, and Mark Coleman uh, sent it to me, and I, I looked at it, and I thought it was just so brilliant and concise. And what Gabor said is that if you look at the people that have risen to power, because I want to understand, how do we elect someone to the presidency of the United States that doesn't seem to, to have a lot of the values or the empathy that, that I, you know, I think is important? How does this happen? And so Gabor says you have to look at the, the, the trauma that went on in their lives. You have to look at Donald Trump, the way he was raised. He was berated and he was made small and he was, he was punitive. There was no unconditional love. There was no empathy that he ever received. His brother, as a matter of fact, drunk, drank himself to death to, to just escape. So their father was a, a, was a, a man that, that taught in a certain way. And I'm not judging it, but I'm saying what it did is traumatized him. And then he talked about the trauma that Hillary Clinton went through. Hillary Clinton was raised in an environment where she was not allowed to be sick. So remember when she had pneumonia and she passed out and people were critical of her? She wasn't allowed to even take care of herself. She was married to a guy that, that as, as Gabor says, that was as big a philanderer as, as Donald Trump is, but he did it more uh, uh, cleverly. And so, and, she could, and so she ignored that as well. And so it's a result of her own trauma. Talked about Tony Blair. Talked about Margaret Thatcher. Talked about um, uh, several of the... Of the um, Barack Obama talked about his trauma. And what is interesting is that we, these people need and long to be in positions of power. It's one of the ways they find relief. And it's the split that they have. To do the things they do, to, to take hundreds of thousands of life with, with certain decisions they make, there has to be a split. In other words, they're living in separation. 
Good or bad, right or wrong, but I want to understand this, and I'm not trying to, to put judgment on any of it, but, but this is the reality we live in. So we have traumatized people in positions of leadership. And you know how they get into positions of leadership? Because they're elected by traumatized people. So we have created this. We have created this, each and every one of us, in our own insistence upon and, and, and perhaps ignorance of the divinity that we are, which is wholeness which is spiritual integrity, which is oneness. So when we talk about a philosophy of oneness, it's not just connecting with the divine because we can't get there until we are fully connected with ourselves. And I want that for you and I want that for me because I think that that's part of the legacy that we can pass down to our teenagers by living that legacy and, and, and calling it what it is. But until we do our own integration work, until we do our own opening up to wholeness, and, and I wish an affirmative prayer would get me there. I wish one more prayer would get me there. But it hasn't. And I love affirmative prayer. And it's part of a practice in my life. And it's valuable and beautiful because it opens me to something that, that otherwise doesn't show up. But it needs more. There's geniuses on this planet right now. There are people that are plowing this ground. And I want this community to be an island of sanity. I want us to be powerful and unstoppable and, and, and an example for my brothers and sisters. Because I, I talk to ministers all the time. This is a lot of work. This is a lot of work. I wish it were easy. If it were easy, I'd be handing you out uh, uh, Skittles on Sunday and gazing into your eyes and telling you how beautiful you are, which you are. But don't let any of this daunt you. It's, it's not as difficult as you think. But when we look at what's happening in the world, the, the, what we have the, that we look to is fractured people, people that have been traumatized. And we identify, so a group, the base, let's talk about that, the base, their, their resonance they connect at that dysfunctional level. They go, oh, that's it. That's the pain I feel. Oh, this is, it's not good, but it's familiar. So just saying. So I want to share this stuff with you because I think it's a way through to open up and to live a healthier life. I want that for you. I want it for me. So warriors for the human spirit. So here's the, here's the chart. There's beige 250,000 years ago. This is the, the, this is the spiral dynamics I've been re referring to, and it's simply a developmental hierarchy. It's not right or wrong, good or bad. One's better than the other. We're in all of them. So beige is survival. Basic survival, we talked about that two weeks ago. Then there's purple. I put the purple screen up last week. You couldn't see purple because purple on purple, you can't see. Purple was, was 50,000 years ago, and that is tribal. So beige is survival. Purple is tri uh, tribal. We've got to find our group. Red. Today we're talking about red. Tr red is the warrior. 10,000 years ago it showed up. There's blue, we're going to talk about blue next week, then we're going to go to orange, then we'll do green, and then I'm going to take a little break for two weeks, the teens are going to do one week, and then I got this amazing speaker coming from Calgary, uh, Amy Bishop, wonderful artist, and she's a practitioner at the center down there, and I, I saw her at the Circle of Love, said, you should come and, uh, and speak. So she's going to come do our music, and she's doing one of our co concerts this year in February. So Amy's a remarkable woman, very, very gifted and talented. And then we got yellow 50, 50 years ago, and, and turquoise about 30 years ago. So the great thing about all this is, is that knowing this, having this map, to look back and say, wow, this is where we were. And this is where we are. You know what the great thing about that is? We know we can change. We can change. We can move up the ladder. And our body can change our mind. So I'm going to share a practice with you today. It's a two-minute practice to help shift you. Your body is the tool that we use. So we can include, transcend, and improve. Isn't that good news? I mean, I love that. Isn't life great? What would we be doing if we weren't doing this? Did you ever think about that? 
I mean, come on. We got a potluck right now. We got like seven desserts there. So I don't know. I might have to go home and get an insulin shot before I do the potluck. But I'm just saying. I know what uh, Mark said he was up till midnight cooking, baking cookies. And I looked at the package and it said Oreo on the side. So I know that he was <laughs> fibbing me there. So how this relates to us individually, these, these, these um, uh, memes, these worldviews, simply a worldview, this spiral dynamics. So survival reflects infancy. We, we are tender, we need to be cared for, and we have to survive. So if anyone's ever interacted with a baby, they've got to survive and they depend on us. Uh, we use examples of that. Tribal. We've got to find our group, and that's toddlerhood individually. That's the toddlerhood, and we've got to find the group we belong to. And it's important we choose that. Hang around. The people we hang around with is important. And then today it's about red, which is the, the bumper sticker for beige is I survive, for purple is I belong, and for red is I matter. I'm important. You and I are important. We gotta, see, we've got to have all these, and that's the development of ego. Then you go up to blue, which we'll talk about next week. We'll go to orange and then green, and then we'll get into yellow and, and turquoise in the new year. So this idea of, of red emerged about 10,000 years ago. It's a move from the tribal to the individualistic, which meant that there was no more human sacrifice. We don't have to appease the gods anymore because you are not going to put me in the, the volcano because I matter. I'm important. Can you imagine that discussion when somebody came up with that idea and all the guys that were in charge? Because I'm sure it was guys in charge. Anyway, just saying. I wasn't there, but I can only imagine. It's about stepping into one's own power and taking action. It encompasses the era of feudalism. And feudalism was reflected in the way the churches were set up. So you had the, the landowners. See, we went from the land belongs to everybody in the tribe to I own the land. And if you look at it, the feudal, the feudal system came along. And then the church showed up and said, oh, and the pope will be our king. And we'll own this and this and this. So it all, it all cross-pollinated. It was all parallel. It encompasses... Um, um, the pioneering energy is red. They get out and do things. It's also lawlessness. The Wild West is an example of red. It sanctions slavery. It has an aversion to conforming. Red needs dragons to slay. You know, these young guys that join the army, they join the, the service, they're ready to go, man. They, they want to, you know, they want to conquer. Get out there. That's that, that red energy. It's the path of the heroic warrior. So the, the idea around this is the emergence of ego is that we cannot move up. A healthy ego is required before we can transcend it. We've got to be healthy in our ego. We've got to have a balance in it. We've got to have a, a perspective in it that, that, that allows us to... And it's not about defeating the ego. It's not about eliminating the ego. There's spiritual practices. I remember back in the 70s, we've got to destroy the ego. No, 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 no. It's part of us. We just have to have a healthy ego. Becoming a war for the human spirit requires us to have a healthy ego. So what does it look like to have a healthy red? Healthy red looks like this. We're assertive. We, we're involved with movement. So things are happening. We're moving. We're active. It shows courage. It acts immediately on what needs to be done in the here and now and in a respectful way. It sets clear boundaries and, indi and indicates urgency, expresses one's own opinion. So that's healthy. That's the healthy ego. That's the healthy red. I know somebody's taking a picture before I take the change the screen. I'll give you the next one. Awesome. Thank you for doing that. It took me four hours to make that slide up, so I appreciate that. <laughs> what are the, not really, what are the unhealthy uh, uh, aspects of red? Oversimplified, impatient, harsh, blabbermouth. 
blabbermouth, too honest, insistent, impulsive, unreasonable. I have one's own needs. I have one's own needs met or wants to be right at all costs. Dogs, dog eat dog, only thinks of oneself. You know, the biggest challenge, one of the biggest challenges that we have in, in the world that I, I look at, my own experience has been, is our need to be right. Our need to be right. If you look at a lot, of, I mean, almost all the conversation that's on social media, it's a need to be right. And see, it's so counterintuitive the way the, the, many of the advanced consciousness on the planet operate. So is it, is it bad or wrong? No, it's just a lower energy. And it's an opportunity for us to move up the ladder to realize, I don't have, my teacher used to always say, stop gossiping. Stop gossiping. And we would get in the car, we carpooled over to where I was studying to be a minister, and we did it for two and a half years. And we'd get in, and, and finally one of the, uh, and so one of the ladies, the lady that drove the car, talked the whole time. And she gossiped the whole time. And so in class, when our teacher said, what do we, you know, stop gossiping? She said, well, then what are we going to talk about? <laughs> Good question. Very honest question. She didn't know. She didn't know how else to function without that. So Margaret Wheatley says this, and Mar- Margaret has written remarkable things about um, uh, leadership. She's a brilliant woman. She says, we can't change the world. Can't change the world. We've reached a tipping point where it comes to the systems of social justice, human rights, and climate change. Just reading a story about the Yosemite Park yesterday. And the way the temperature is rising, it's all going to change. Our children will not enjoy Yosemite Park the way we've been able to enjoy it. The, the animals won't be able to be there. They're going to see less trees, less water, all the things that are going on. So it's fascinating. So we, it's already happening. It's, but this is not typical Margaret Wheatley. She said, we have no more time to ignore the problem. We, if we want to leave a habitable planet for our children and grandchildren, we must become warriors for humanity. See, that's what I want to tell you is this red energy is important, but we got to use it in the most productive way we can. we got to be able to take a stand and say, no more. we got to be able to do our own integration and say, I'm not going to live a split life anymore. I'm not going to let my anger and my, and my unhealthy red run my life. And so I'm going to go about the, the business of doing the integration. That's why we encourage you to do the Q process. We're going to continue to do that work. I want to share that with as many people in as many places as I possibly can until I find a better tool. But, but the point is, and that's shadow, it's all, all shadow integration. So we have, as Margaret Wheatley says, we have no more time to ignore the problem if we want to leave a habitable planet for our children. But she says it doesn't mean we have to get our swords out. What it means is warriors for the human spirit are awake human beings who have chosen not to flee. They abide. We abide. When I say we abide, what does that remind you of? Huh? They know. There he is. The dude abides. You ever seen the big Lebowski? Do you know what a spiritual avatar the big Lebowski is? Let me, t- let me just tell you about, about the dude. Here, and here he is, Jeff Bridges. He said it's his favorite, uh, his favorite film. There he is having a mystical moment. He was, so throughout the movie, if you've seen it, and if you haven't, I just showed it to my son and his partner when they were here. I said, you guys got to see The Big Lebowski. It's a classic, and it has turned into a cult classic. So the Coen brothers, who are near and dear to me because they grew up in western Minnesota, and I grew up in the St. Paul, uh, Minneapolis area, and I, I auditioned for those guys. I, I figured it out one day. I went, I think they were casting Fargo, and I went down and I read for something. I don't know. Maybe the wood chipper scene. They needed my leg sticking up. I don't know. But anyway, so they had just won two Academy Awards for Fargo, and they had, you know, they, they had all this power, and they wanted to make the Big Lebowski. So 
What, what Joel Cohen said, it's, it is a hopelessly complex plot that is ultimately unimportant. So first of all, understand that. So the dude, the guy up there, Jeff Bridges, his character in The Big Lebowski, he's the archetype of a slacker, okay? He's an educated person who is anti-materialistic, purposeless, apathetic, and usually works in a dead-end job. And the dude doesn't work at all in this movie. He just bowls. He loves the ball, right? So he's self, he is a self-confessed pacifist. He's waterboarded in his own toilet. He's punched in the face. He's heavily insulted by the millionaire that in, the, in the plot that wants him to go find his lost wife. Uh, and he's also humiliated by the Malibu police chief. He's mocked by another policeman. His home is broken into at various times. His tapestry rug is destroy, destroyed, which held the whole thing, held the whole room together, as he said. Um, he, he, his beat-up old car goes through all kinds of misadventures and is finally set ablaze. He pockets none of the money promised him by the millionaire, and yet the dude abides. So, in the face of adversity and the virulence of the whole world, the dude of all people is level-headed, he's tolerant, and consistently nonviolent. He never punches back. He never punches back. The concept of revenge doesn't seem to inhabit his mind. What is more, he, simply, he seems implicitly to make allowances for a lot of overly aggressive people. See, all the characters around him in the movie are hyper-aggressive and greedy and hungry for power and the need to be right and to dominate, I mean, which is a very popular idea. And the dude just wants his tapestry rug back and to drink his white Russians. Now, I'm not recommending that as a lifestyle, but I'm just saying he, he personifies a certain archetype, a capacity to be an openness to life. And he's very, very bright. As a young man, he talks about being part of the uh, Students for Democratic Society and writing their, help writing their charter. So he's a bright individual, but he gave up on that dream to change the world because he realized all he could be was the dude and abide and be open to life. So it's a whole different way, and the Coen brothers wanted us to see this. So now it's turned into this cult classic. When it came out, all the reviewers said it was horrible. What a horrible movie. They didn't understand the dude and what he represented. In fact, someone told me after service, there's actually a new religion called dudism. <laughs> so I'm going to check on it. And I think I'm going to do a talk in my house coat one day with a white Russian. We'll see how that takes us. <laughs> this could turn into a whole new career, I'm just telling you. So what is more, he seems implicit to make allowances for a lot of overgressive uh, people out there who will act like hostile lunatics. We have hostile lunatics acting out right now. As, as Sam Elliott, he's the cowboy, he's the, pro, he's the narrator in it, and he meets the dude in the bowling alley at the end, and he said, isn't it good knowing the dude's out there? Because he's just back bowling. That's all they want to do is bowl with Walter, his friend, and it's just, a, if you've seen it, you understand his friend Walter is played by John Goodman, who's, who's <laughs> it's, it's a very, very funny movie. He says, it's good knowing he's out there. The dude taking her easy for all of us sinners. Finally, and of course, the dude leaves. So there are many pacifists in the world until their patience is severely tested or their rights blatantly usurped. There are also people persuaded that peace is the natural state for mankind. It's a beautiful idea that unfortunately doesn't correspond to reality because we get triggered in our, in our red and we got to make it right, and we got to be right, and we got to get what we need. Our opinion, my good opinion. We had some guys in here. We 
put this uh, line in up here. If you look above me, the, the projector, we got a line put in. I had Mark and I had uh, Cam help me. And Cam would go on about something, and Mark would go on about something, and I was just trying to get things done. And they'd say, well, you're just, you're just like a guy I know. They just turn away, and, and, and you don't even pay attention. You're just doing your thing. And I said, well, you're, I'm not going to try and argue that away from you. That's your opinion, but I still want to get this thing hooked up. So I didn't have to argue with him. I said, hey, fantastic, but let's get up there and hook this thing up. I just want to stay focused on the goal, but I get it. Everybody's got great, good opinions. And we can, we can have a whole class on that. We do have classes on good opinions. So Anne Lamont said, you don't have to stab people with a sword of truth. Just point the way with it. So we don't have to hurt anybody. It's just like the dude. We don't have to harm anybody. We don't have to force anybody to think like we think. That's the beauty of being alive. But well, we can look at him and we can observe it and use our own discernment to say, I don't think so. Ah, uh, it's not for me. That way's not for me. There's something that wants to be... You know what I love about this whole mission-centric thing we're doing? which is different than minister. So people, when I say mission, it doesn't mean you get rid of your minister. I'm not trying to get out of here. I'm trying to free myself up energetically and emotionally and spiritually so I can do my job more effectively. And, and part of that has been my own failure because no one teaches you this stuff. Man, I'd love to teach a batch of ministers now. We, we spend the first two years doing the queue, not picking up stuff. Because the, the failure I had is I kept trying to please people. And then I would abdicate there, and they, and they know more than me. So they got the answer, which is not my role, and it's not their role. But that's what I thought, because that's how I survived. It's very interesting. So it's standing in our own understanding and depth, and, and, it's, and it's all going to work out. It always works out. All right, I got six more pages of notes and two more minutes. All righty, here we go. That's okay. So I want to show you this gal. Her name is Amy Cuddy. And Amy is on YouTube, and I'm not going to show you the YouTube video because when we show it, when at the first service I didn't show it, and I, I didn't set it up because every time we show a video, we get cut off from Facebook, which I didn't know, so I'm going to stop showing a lot of videos. Although I did show my granddaughter Audrey last week. Maybe we'll take time to show Audrey again. Uh, not this week. We're not signed up, signed up with the, the sound. But, uh, and Audrey did it, it was an example of magical thinking because she came in to tell her mother that Big Minnie, Minnie Mouse, and Mickey had stolen her sky from her and told her that it was theirs. And so she had this whole discussion. And it's all magical thinking because she made it up. That's purple. There's a difference between the magic of life and magical thinking. Anyway, so here's Ann Cuddy. And Ann had an experience and she found out that th there's a way to transform our hormonal state of being in two minutes. I had the teens, I'm going to have them come up and help me again right now. So what we have found, this is considered a power position. Did you know that? When you're in this position, that's a power position. <clears throat> Here's another power position. There's Mick Jagger. Just saw uh, Bohemian Rhapsody with Freddie Mercury. Oh, my God. Is that a story to tell? What a genius. Watching him at, at uh, Live Aid. Strutting across the stage, 25-minute concert, incredible. I don't know how many, over 100,000 people in coherence, singing along with him, clapping together. I mean, my God, you talk about a spiritual experience. He was amazing. What a force. What a force of nature. So there's Mick Jagger, same thing. You go to a Rolling Stone concert, there's coherence, man. We all know the songs, don't we? Yeah. You can't always get what you want. <laughs> yeah, and there's Oprah. 
So here's Mick, here's Oprah. Those are power positions, okay? There's, a, there's another one. Okay, two minutes of this. You know what two minutes of this does for us? It raises our testosterone. It goes up 20%. And it lowers our, our um, cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. St- cortisol goes down 20%. Just doing this. Before you, I did it this morning in the, in, the, in, the, um, in the dining room. I'm standing there looking at the mirror and going like this for two minutes. I timed myself. I said, hey, man, I'm doing this today. Because what happens is we feel more empowered. We feel more grounded. We feel clearer. Just doing this. Just ta- taking our body to this position or to this power position. Because if we do the other, there, she's kind of slumped down. She's going like that, and it's okay. But when we close down like that, I know you're just being cozy. But when we close down, like we're waiting to go in for a job interview, we all sit there like, mm-hmm, with our heads down. What happens when we do that, our testosterone goes down 15%. And our cholesterol level goes up 10%. We create more stress. You know, the difference, one of the difference between, now, you want the difference between Barack Obama and, and Donald Trump in terms of delivery is Obama had low, he had low cholesterol, he had um, low cortisol. I mean, he, he, was a, he was articulate. And he didn't have that stress, that high stress level. So when we listened to him, it, it helped us alleviate some of the stress we're feeling. Now his successor doesn't have that capacity. So I find that when he starts, I just turn him off because I find my cortisol level rising. So it's an act, not that I, I, I you know, not that I want to know and I know if it's important for me and I'll find out, but I don't want to hear it from him because his, his stress level is so high. And to me, it just is not spiritual practice. Like, no, not, not my tribe. I get it. And I'm glad there's people that are taking care of that and addressing that. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Okay, teens, will you join me back up here again? We're going to close with this today. So I'm going to invite you to stand up and assume your position. And if you can't stand up, then just, then just lean back in your chair, all right? We're going to go into that empowered position of, of high power right now, right? There you go. Yeah, that's a good one. High power. Two minutes of this. Shifts. Well, we'll go as long as we can. So what I want you to know, I'm going to invite the teens to join me, and then they're going to share a little bit. Oh, bless you. Look at, she's getting help. That's awesome. So, know with me, there's one power. Oh, we can do better than that. We can, you can say this, too, with me. So please join me. There's one power. One life. That life is God. That life is my life now. I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am healthy. I am abundant. I am a magnet for great good. I am loved and loving. I am healthy, joyful, and blessed. For this I give thanks. And so it is. Thank you.